Today's show is sponsored by Supreme Whiskey Stones, an LEO business specializing in the best whiskey accessories to protect and serve your favorite pours. From whiskey stones to customer laser etched glassware, they take pride in what they do and love making their customers happy. Check them out on Instagram at Supreme Whiskey Stones, at SupremeWhiskeyStones.com, or through the various military and first responder organizations they sponsor. Cheers. You're double rare. You're double chinned, just behind a beard. True story. <laughs> it's like playing hide and seek over here. <laughs> Why do you think the beard keeps getting longer and longer? Jesus, you're like a turkey soon, huh? <laughs> <laughs> when you one of those little things Tarek has at the store, that little thing he shakes and makes a turkey noise. Oh, I know. I told him I wanted one. Seriously, just have that, like walk behind people in public and shake that thing and just walk off. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being like the mall or something or some restaurant and you're just, <laughs> just like keep going. Some big crowd of people you could do it indiscreetly. Oh, I need that. I need it now. I absolutely like need as it. you do it, turn around and look like, oh, it must be somebody behind me, so all the people around you are gonna turn to. Oh, that'd be great with the wife. <laughs> hey honey, I'm home. <laughs> Don't even say the front part, just walk in the door and shake the shit out of it. <laughs> Dad's home. <laughs> Hello, hello everyone. My name is John Edwards. With me as always is Zeke Baker and together we make the Dad Shrinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. If you are looking for honest whiskey reviews, you have found the right place. Say hello to the folks, Zeke Baker. Hey, hey. Hey. That was like a skinny Albert. Yeah. Not the hey, hey, hey. <laughs> that was like, hey, hey. <laughs> so how, how are you today? How, as you would say, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? You about a half an hour in there. Er, well, you, you know where I'm from. I'm, I don't know how to say R. I know. You can even say y'all. It kills me. <laughs> I say y'all. Not unless you force it. No. At any rate, not bad. Gearing up for the big weekend. What, what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> Same thing you're doing, dumbass. <laughs> I don't know. I was that was kind of like saying, "Hey, would you like to tell everyone what we are doing together?" Well, then you should say something like that. Okay, would you like to tell the folks what we are doing this weekend? Well, we've got the big Four Roses event hosted by Lauren Simpson, taking care of special ops excursions up in Clarksville. Should be a blast. The following night will be the the bottle share here at the BMB. Looking forward to. Hopefully when this comes out, we will have met some new faces and also seen plenty of familiar ones again and had an amazing time. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm a little worried. I have a feeling we probably invited too many people. Well, and in that note, I'm worried because you've already said after the fiasco last year, the pizzas were on you. I didn't say that. Oh, yeah. After the, since when does Papa John's not have hot and ready? No, I did not say that. What oh. what happened was you're you're getting it mixed up with the Willet episode where everybody almost burnt down the house with pizza. No, I, I'm telling you, call Mike. He'll tell you. Call Mike. Yeah, because you came in and said I was going to get pizza, but Papa John's didn't have you the hot and ready's, and we we're all like, no, Little Caesars does hot and ready. Oh, and then look, you said next year I'm on it. I have a feeling you're just trying to guilt me into something that I didn't <laughs> no. say. 
The I, guilt part would be overthinking that Papa John's had hot and ready. That's the guilt. I don't believe you. <laughs> like, something in me does not believe you. At any rate, so, so what are we here for today? We are here for Eagle Rare 17 today. It is part of the 2018 Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, or BTAC, for those of you that are in the know. This was distilled in the spring of 2000. There's 45 barrels that came as a result of this. 1,627 bottles were the eventual product, and that was 166 more bottles than last year. The proof is 101. It was an increase from 90, which is what the, the Eagle Rare BTAC used to be, up to 101. The age is 18 years, 4 months. ABV is 55.5%. And the MSRP for this is $99. Hmm. Not bad for MSRP. Not bad. Well, hey, <laughs> you know, considering where you find it on the secondary market, $99. If you find this for $99, you're doing good. Yeah. That's a pretty fair yield, too, especially going up in proof. Yeah. Not bad. I mean, I think, and I don't know off the top of my head, I think it was put in off the still at 135 and into the barrel at 125. Either way, 17 plus years of sitting in oak. A fair loss, I think, is more than expected. It's Eagle Rare 17, but it's actually an 18 year. But I'm sure that it's just a pain in the ass to go to the TTB all the time, so they just call it Eagle Rare 17, even if it is, in this case, Eagle Rare 18 years, four months. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. What would you want to pay and deal with all that hassle? Just like when we did M20 a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I, I would strongly bet, if anything, that that came out of some old pre-fire Heaven Hill barrels. I, I strong, I, I'd put a wager there, and obviously the fire was in 96, so that's more than 20 years ago. But, you know, that's what's approved, and that's the standard release for them, so that's what you keep going with. Would you bet your mustache on it? Probably. Really? I think so. I would love if Michter's could... Well, if you... <laughs> Just a, a very quick jump off the, the sidewalk. If you look back at some of the older M10 releases, they had significantly older juices, especially the Rise. I mean, well, those up until 2014. I have a 2014 Michter's 10 that is phenomenal. But the, the juice that was in there was was well past 10 years. You know, that's just the the label they had and what they chose the, the bottle they chose to throw it in. The one thing I would say to that is it it all goes back to what Bruce. Russell told us on the interview with him is that having some of those age statements there, I mean, you could have an age statement, and as long as it's a minimum, say you had an age statement of eight, you, know, you can put things that are over eight in there. You couldn't put anything like that Booker's, the Booker's 30th we talked about. If you said it was age stated 16 year, and then you wanted to put some nine in there to cut it, you couldn't do that if it's age stated 16 year. It kind of goes around every way, but we gave the uh, the tail of the tape on this one already. I know that BTACs always have a big expectation. You know, we already did the Thomas Handy. We already did the George C. Stag. We're very lucky to have got our hands on this as well. I don't believe we have our hands on a Weller and a Sazerac. We might have the Weller, but the Sazerac is harder to come by. So I think this may be it for us with BTAC from last year. Maybe. We'll see what we can... Scrounge around and find. Uh, also similar to the M20, we were lucky enough to get this through a local bottle share. One of the guys in town here picked up a bottle and, you know, it's that kind of double-edged sword of, I got the bottle, I really want to taste it, but I know the values it would pull in other places. 
So they pretty much split the difference on, you know, the evaluation of uh, an ounce or two ounce samples and posted that. And, you know, if something comes up like that, you really can't pass on the opportunity to at least get an ounce and, and taste it and see for yourself if you're really missing out or not. I feel like you drank some of the sample. Did you drink some of it? No, but I had it somewhere else. I forget where. I don't know. Oh, it looked like, was it just a one ounce sample? Was oh, there was, there was an open bottle at the whiskey house for a few days. And I got in on that one. I think that was what happened, and then this one got split, but there were two different ones. Because it was a two-ounce boss around, and, and there was only an ounce in there. No, that's the way they all came, whether you got one or two. Okay. I, I was worried. I mean, I was, not everybody carries a full line of Boston rounds. I was like, did Zeke do something shady here? No, never. Not to you, good buddy, old pal, old friend. <laughs> <laughs> like my bottles of other stuff that you refilled with Old Crow? I don't remember doing that. Who did that? I'm, I'm not surprised if you did. <laughs> so let's get into this actual stuff. Let's start talking about it. Zeke, what did you get? You know, it's been a minute since I've had even a, a regular Eagle Rare, honestly, especially with pigs being gone last year. They just didn't come across our face or get passed around places we were as much. The memory I have of Eagle Rare, so to speak, in general, this definitely didn't quite fit that description. The first thing that really came to mind was simply um, sitting down and, and cracking open uh, you know, walnuts or pecans. The, the, just the smell that comes off with that also really popped in my head somewhat of a like a freshly lit fire in between the wood aroma coming off slight alcohol type presence from where you've used some kind of starter fluid etc the usual suspects were there you know some vanilla cinnamon some type of blend between clove oak and allspice I didn't really take time to dissect it just because you know it's usual suspects I think folks expect that regardless did pick up a fair amount of hazelnut, I thought, a couple of times. Kind of back to more of a, a visual aspect in the nose. It just really reminded me of the scene of wintertime, fireplace, right after you get a fire, you know, built and lit and you know, roaring up and just sitting down in front of it and enjoying that 15 minutes of watching those flames just go and that, you know, the wood crackling and everything. That's really where I went to as, a, you know, as far as a mental space. Palette wise, um, I mean, it really seemed somewhat thin, and I got a, a, a fair spice off of it. That was really the most prevalent thing that I picked up was, you know, a spiciness. And there there wasn't a heavy oak by any means, not for, you know, 18 years in the wood. Moving past that, it really kind of transitioned into dark chocolate-coated marshmallow. But whereas normally I feel like you have a big marshmallow with a little bit of chocolate over it, this would have been a lot of chocolate over a little marshmallow was that much more predominant on that side of the coin. Again, even moving towards the, the finish side of thing, the rye kick was still there and noticeable. It wasn't off-putting or overwhelming. It just surprised me that that kept being the most prevalent note that came to mind. Finish-wise, and it was more of a after the pour is done, kind of taking a deep breath and that kind of vapor moving back up through the you know mouth and nares. And I've only got this one other time. It reminded me of uh, what I would just simply call grandma's closet. <laughs> or any other closet in a home. You know, if you've walked into a vacant home or a closet that hasn't been, or a room that hasn't been used or opened in some time, and you kind of get that musty, mothball-y, little bit of wood smell. It was distinctly, you know, walking in the house and, and opening the closet that hasn't been checked on in a while or something. And the only time I got that, one of the 27-year Willets, when we did all those side-by-side side, you know, a few months ago. But it's a distinct memory for me. I'll yeah. Give, I'll give it that. So for me, I definitely love this nose. 
I got cherry, oak, the nuts that you talked about, lots of nice spices, a little bit of citrus once it was out for a little bit, but I absolutely love the nose. I think I spent an extra five minutes on that nose just because it was so good. I didn't actually want to get into the bourbon in case it wasn't as good as the nose. Funny that you mentioned the spice because the first note I have is spice tingle is noticeable from the onset. Moves to fruit and creamy vanilla. Gives your mouth a nice coating while it tingles. There's hints of oak and chocolate, but it's like a big bang up front. Noticeably dwindles away as it gets to the back of your palate. But all of the flavor, all of the stuff, the good stuff is right up there on the front. The finish, I said, was tingly, dry, and oaky. The finish doesn't carry the weight like the nose and the first part of the palate do. It was like a marathoner that couldn't go the distance, but was leading the race most of the time. Or if you just watched NASCAR and you like the Daytona 500, it was like one of the many, many cars that made it to the final 10 laps, but never actually crossed the finish line. Oh, yeah, I heard it was a bad wreck at that. I didn't see it. Oh, there were like 18 bad wrecks. But the thing about this and, and what I would say is this is a very good bourbon. There was a thing that I cut out, guys, in full physique, and I couldn't really get simpatico on how I was trying to set it up. At $99, I'd buy this all day. It's a very good bourbon. I don't want you to think, as I said, it kind of fizzled at the end, that by any means, if if an Eagle Rare 17 falls on your lap at MSRP, it's a no-brainer. You get it. Compared to other Eagle Rare 17s I've had in the past... Like, 2017's was really, really good. This, compared to that, there were aspects of it that were really good, but it just kind of fizzled on the finish for me. I mean, I was surprised, say, at the amount of rye that really popped in there. I, I was not expecting that. And it wasn't overwhelming. It's was not like drinking cash drink young rye whiskey where it just burns the shit out of you. But I was surprised it was there, and it even took me a minute to get those other flavors. It was really, all right, and work through this, and then you know, more towards the mid to the back. It's where I started picking up the dark chocolate marshmallow kind of blend. But even then, I mean, the rye was just, it was there consistently. That tingle was right there from the onset. I got like spice and fruit Mm -hmm. right on the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it it caught me off guard. And so while we were tasting this, I even went and had a couple different things. (laughs) Tried to make sure that, you know, was it lunch or something else thrown off the palate? Consistently throughout the tastings, it was always there. Another thing that kind of popped into my head is we, uh, you know, ramble about this for a minute or two you know the the 101 is proof i think everybody initially perceived it as being a throwback to when they offered 10 year 101s which anyone listens if you've never had that and you see an open somewhere or a friend has one ask beg maybe even still a light pour of it it's amazing <laughs> but you know as i had this pour i thought to myself 101 it it's not overwhelming or bold by any means I wonder as they, you know, pulled these barrels and were, were tasting them for the release, assuming that it's proof down around 90, somebody said, there's nothing here. We, we got to kick this up or there's not going to be any flavor. And that spice, don't get me wrong. I mean, the spice is noticeable, but it's not a bad spice. It's just kind of like, wow, we weren't expecting it. It's not like, oh my God, my mouth is tingling. It's on fire. It's awful. It's like, oh. I wasn't expecting this much no, spice. But, but I, mean, I, I would think from 101 to 90, that being enough movement on the needle, so to speak, I really wonder how faint the whole expression would be overall. 
You mean like if it were 90? Yeah, I'm saying like I wondered when they pulled these barrels and get ready to bottle it, assuming they took some juice out, proofed it down to 90, you know, tasted it as it would be presented, if folks didn't say, there's nothing here, there, there's no substance, we, we need to ramp this up a little bit or do something because it's just not the quality it should be. Fair. In my head as we're going through this, I'm just thinking, you know, if this is another 11 proof slower, how just mild would it be? Oh, and there's got to be a reason that they made the jump from 90 to 101. Well, so know, I'm saying, I think everybody yeah. thought initially it was a throwback. Yeah. But I, I wonder if it was more of a coincidence of, hey, we need to ramp this up a little bit. Well, we used to do 101 back in the day. Hey, there we go. Great idea. And everybody's thinking give, it's give a that, Give that man a raise. <laughs> <laughs> Smartest guy in the room right there. Whoever it was, he definitely deserves a nice little bonus. And I will say. He or she. You know, even though we give him. Kudos for having a larger release than last year, even with the higher proof. So we're at 17 to 18 years. What's GTS still consistently? Over 15. I don't know how much would be lost in those extra three years, but I doubt it would be significant enough to be the the, the, the huge variance there is in the release there. I, I'm with you. I'm with you on it. So that, that leads me to my other thought. If these are the same mash... And, you know, we've seen read things that say they like to age even the same mash in different ricks, other uh, nuances that, that create a different profile here and there. But if all these initially are coming off as the same mash and going into the barrel, then why are there so many more that end up turning into a, a, a GTS than an Eagle Rare each year? Yeah. I mean, this is all mash number one. And if I had my choice between an Eagle Rare 17 or a GTS, I'm GTS all day, but I, you know I have an unhealthy obsession with GTS. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is what it is, but... At the I, same I mean, time, I'm, I'm admitting I have bias. Well, at the same time, you're talking about two completely different proof products, so who knows what Eagle Rare, quote-unquote, could have been. It came off the still at 135. It was in the barrel at 125. If they put this out at 125 or even 115, what's that comparative to the GTS? But I just love that higher proof mash bill number one. And I can't believe how creamy that George C. Stagg is, even at the, the spot, you know, and not as spicy as it could be for the proof. Well, I guess to me, where, where my mind is going with this whole uh, train of questions is obviously rares in the name. Are they just, uh, creating their own hype beast and, and playing on the, the rare in the name. They just put out double Eagle Rare, 299 bottles. Oh, yeah, because that's accessible. Well, I mean, it's not supposed to be accessible. Well, I've, that's why it's double rare. Well, what, what is the point of, you know, not only this release, but m multiple Buffalo Trace releases recently have seemingly been to do nothing other than to create hype and add one more product into the, the secondary markets. It's look tough, at, though. Cause look at CYPB. And admittedly, it, it is a it is a fair and, and good pour. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But when not even every store in the market gets one bottle, what was the point in releasing that? Let's talk about this Double Eagle Rare for a second, right? Because the new Double Eagle Rare bourbon is aged twice as long as the standard Eagle Rare 10. It's 20 years it's got a double eagle crystal decanter featuring two beautifully sculptured crystal glass eagles, one inside the bottle and one serving as the stopper. The box has sliding doors, 
with a design that is like eagle feathers. The sliding open the door, it triggers spotlights above and below the bottle to reveal the crystal decanter. Oh, I mean, the presentation is top-notch. The pictures I saw, I mean, that would get you uh, aroused as a bourbon fan. There are 299 of these. Individually numbered letter of authenticity is included with each. The price is set around 2000 And then the next release will be spring 2020. So right now, at least we know it's going to be around for a couple of years. Here's what I'd tell you, though, and here's where I disagree with you. I don't think Buffalo Trace makes the old rip they made last year and this double eagle rare. This is not a secondary play. Because think about how many of those actually hit secondary. What? One, two? I think this is just an ultra-exclusive, awesome thing for the 299 people that get it. I don't know what Kool-Aid you got over in that cup, but I'm not drinking it. I'm not. Why, why, why let it sit 20 years? But I don't why think Why did they pull it three years ago at 17 and add to the ER 17 release? I mean, I'm not saying you and I are ever going to get one, but I just disagree with the sentiment that you think that they made it for a secondary play. Well, it's either secondary and or hype. I think hype, yes. Secondary, no. It's there to a degree. I mean, yeah, I'm sure it gets people talking about their products, and that's what you probably want, you know, some angles of advertising. But who wants to talk about shit they can't get? Us. We do. We don't want to, but we do sometimes. Maybe for a few minutes, just argue with your ass, but I'm not going to consume my day. No, it's not going to consume my day. It's much more like debating over what I want for lunch. I mean, that's an easy hour discussion. But but not getting an Eagle Rare 17 is not going to be the end of my day, too. I mean, I wish I had BTAC. I just think they're, I don't know if designing is the correct word, but they're putting out newer products at such an allocated amount that as a consumer, seemingly it makes no sense to me what their purpose or rationale is behind it. CYPB, not even every store in this market got one. I mean, only half of them got one. Uh, But I know some stores that got eight or nine. But it was super limited one time, and based on the OWA picks that I've seen or, or tasted, more importantly, that came out in 2018. Back to this whole uh, betting thing, my, my bet number two for today is all the good honey barrels of OWA and all the eight-year-plus barrels, they went to CYPB. It's got an age statement. You know what nobody put out last year? An eight-year OWA pick. Half of them were barely seven. I think... Some Barely of them towards the end were six, Mul- right? Multiple, well, I, no, so multiple picks were not seven when they were picked, but coincidentally, mm, one or either the week of or one to two weeks after they turned seven was when they were up for being bottled, even though that's six months down the road. I guess that's not planned either. But you can't always plan for when... Well, why create a new release that's never been in the market with an age statement, which nothing else around those carry. Special Reserve doesn't have an age anymore. OWA doesn't have an age in the label. So, hey, we're going to purposely go pull all our barrels that are one to two years older than everything else we're letting you guys taste for picks are putting in the market to create this new release. But, yeah, it's good pour, but eh, nobody's going to get one. Here's the question I would have for you, because you're normally I'm the one who gets fired up. I think you're a little more fired up than me on this one. But do you think that the hype was unnecessary because you know people already geek out over OWA picks, they already geek out over BTAC, they already geek out over Pappy? Do you think this is just 
unnecessary hype? Do you think it's something that they wanted to try to legitimately do something nice for high-end bourbon consumers? Or are you just pissed off at the world today? No, I, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot simply because I don't know how many people still geek out for an OWA pick. I don't. I've seen countless comments on boards where plenty of folks have said, if the quality of OWA picks in 2019 is the same as 2018, I'm done. It doesn't even excite me anymore. Now, places can have an off year. Sometimes maybe it did need to sit for a little bit. I mean, think about the the wherewithal Buffalo Trace had to say, hey, we're putting a halt on the barrel picks of Eagle Rare in 2018 until we can get back to where we want them to be. Well, if they were smart enough to do it to that line, why wouldn't they say that for this one? It's a great question. Maybe they didn't realize it until... Somebody's supposed to be tasting what gets rolled out for picks. You don't just kick three out the rickhouse and roll them over there and say, Here you go, boys. Pick one. I don't know. I mean, you're, you're you bringing the, up... You've got the biggest distillery. Or one of. So here's another thing that I'd say to you. Because I, I like kind of poking and prodding and seeing where your head's at. What if they're just doing it because they're the biggest distillery and you don't want to just keep churning out the same shit every year? Why not? Heaven Hill's making plenty of money. But Heaven Hill's also doing plenty of different stuff, too. They did the 27. They do it different Parkers every year. They're doing... When it comes to Buffalo Trace, Pappy's going to be the same every year. BTAC's going to be the same every year. At least with Parkers, they're saying, okay, we're going to do a barrel finish this year. The year before is going to be a barrel strength. There's going to be a wheat one. There's going to be a malt whiskey. You know, like there's at least variants in which distillers get to do a little bit of different things. Well, and other than the, the 27 year, all the Parkers, I think those come out at a pretty accessible amount of a yield. You may have to get one off secondary, but you're not dropping the coin that uh, plenty of these things are pulling in. I'm just saying, maybe they're they're bored. Maybe they want something to do. I mean, if they're bored and want something to do, they can go redesign that damn Wheatley vodka bottle. The reason it won't sell is simple. It either needs to have a grip on the back or a handle. You can't sell a 1.75 that's perfectly round. I can barely grab the back of the damn thing. What thing about a bartender? Do they want to grab that over and over and over? No. Can you palm a basketball? Some days. Barely. That's probably what your problem is. I mean, you're a tall guy. You're 6'5", so if you're not able to get your, your hand around it... I'm just telling you, over the years, I've put down my fair amount of tater juice. I buy a bottle of Wheatley's one time because it's on sale, and you know I know stores get credit for that, so I try to help my folks out. The first thing I notice about this thing when I go to pour it is the back of this thing sucks. You can't grab it for shit. There's no handle or grip thing to it. Well, what if you just grab it from the neck? Oh, yeah, because you're going to grab a 1.75 and pour it from the neck. Well, no, just, I mean, carry, Who does that, John? Carry it out to the you, car. You're you working way. out your wrist? <laughs> I'm telling you, by the end of that bottle, I was so pissed off at it. I was just like, this is why they can't sell this stuff to people. It doesn't pour worth a flip. Plain and simple. So you think they should be taking the time that they're doing for all the other stuff and, and do a bottle redesign of Wheatley Vodka? It would make much, much more sense, especially considering the quote-unquote value they put on their vodka and how that links to everyone's allocations. Okay. Then again, if they did that, they'd probably have to find more allocated products to give people because they actually be selling their vodka. Jesus, double-edged sword. I don't know. I tend to give them more of a pass on doing the creative stuff. I, I know I'm never going to get it. I know that it's not necessarily a secondary play. I don't mind that they're putting out the Double Eagle Rare. I don't mind that they're putting out the Old Old Rip. I don't know. 
CYPB was it was a great pour at MSRP. I think the hype beast of secondary takes things into a different realm. But as a straight pour, I mean, we did a blind of everything. And if you missed it, we had the Firewater Review on with us. Seth, Aaron, we sat down. We did a blind of the whole Weller line. And it fared very well. Yeah. It's a great pour. I don't know what to tell you. You're, you're leaving me with more questions than answers today, Zeke. Well, you we should have a, a good afternoon and evening pondering lots of things. But that's why we do it, right? That's why all of this is... That's why bourbon is a hobby for us because we don't know all the answers we like to ponder and we like to discuss some days so what's your final verdict on this eagle rare 17 i was surprised by it um i definitely enjoyed it to a degree you know with increased proof i'm on the same boat as you is it just didn't pack the flavor i would have thought or expected out of it not necessarily saying i would have loved that flavor because if it's an oak bomb that's not my jam but either way, it just seemed still uh, pretty faint and muted overall as an expression. Theoretically, if I saw it at MSRP, I would probably buy it. And, you know, I've got a few friends that truly just love those things and, and pass it on to them or, or do a bottle split or something with it. But it's nothing I would, would want or keep for my own personal consumption. I would just say it's a good pour at MSRP. It is a very good pour. Don't. You know, we're, we're comparing it to other things that are in BTAC. We're comparing it to other things that are more high-end. If I had something like this at 99, I'm 100% on Eagle Rare. And if a bottle landed in my lap, I'd be stupid not to buy it. Would I buy this at secondary? Probably not. Oh, yeah. Eagle Rare, Lawrenceburg, back in the day, oh. you, you, you can get multiples for, for one of these. That's right. uh Place my, my third money bet for the day. So you'd say your third money is to buy it and then trade it for a bunch of other stuff? Yep. Or inversely, if, if someone's debating spending big boy money on something like that, just go buy the old school of your rares or Lawrenceburg. Much better juice. All right. Well, on that note, we hope some of you got to see us this weekend. If you were able to make it to the bottle share or if you did reach out to us to come to the bottle share, we hope you had fun. Please find us on your favorite podcast app, which we think you already are. Please leave us an honest review. We'd love to hear from you. Go ahead and find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Zeke, where else can the folks find us? Nashville, Tennessee. Cheers. Ciao.